Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Cooper and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. We're at episode 54 now, starting to, to get a, quite a few episodes there. It's nice when people message me and say that they're working through the episodes now and going back through some of the the episodes the 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 previously recorded. That's really nice. And there's obviously people as well who now regularly listen to the to, to the show, which is which is great, which is always nice to hear. And you can see kind of how it's evolved and where we've got to uh, and how we've got to where we are now. Today's episode is an interview one. Uh, I know a lot of you enjoy those episodes. And it's finally time when some of the, the stars are aligning a little bit when I'm getting some of those interviews there. I really, really wanted to get, kind of get, and it's mainly just that these people that I talk to, a lot of them are on tour in different countries, unavailable and what have you, and yes, you could do them over Skype, and yes, you can do them, that type of thing, but there's, there's, a, there's a wonderful intimacy and there's a wonderful um, sort of improvisation of sitting with someone and having an actual conversation, it's it's slightly lost a little bit, um, and you can always tell when someone's on a podcast and they're interviewing and talking to someone who's a billion miles away, it, it seems to be very obvious, so where possible I try to get sit down with someone uh, in, in real life if you will, and obviously that presents a whole number of problems, mainly scheduling, uh, the people are very busy because they're, they're, they're leading lives and they're trying to kind of put that together, nice. so it's nice when I get a couple and, and they kind of all line up. And so this 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 particular one is a good example of some of the challenges that you find when you come to do that. Today's uh, interview is with Gizbutt. Uh, Gizbutt, for, for many, probably, you'll probably know him from his work when he was the guitarist in The Prodigy. I certainly knew him, know him from The English Dogs, uh, Janice Stark, or Janice Stark, or you pronounce it Janice Stark, after the the. the, the comic book character that was kind of where he did most of his uh, so I, I believe some of his best work uh, they have a new album out we discussed that album and uh, I'll put some links on the uh, on the actual uh, podcast sort of post itself as well but when I talk about challenges it, it, sometimes you you kind of have to do these things on the fly you know Giz was playing uh, a, a venue quite close to me so it seemed like a really good chance to kind of sit down with the guy uh, I followed Giz's work for a long time mainly because he just strikes me as an interesting individual because he is an interesting individual about how kind of his, his journey he's had and the number of bands he's worked with a very punk rock ethos and very punk rock outlook but also a fabulous player a fabulous guitar player in his own his own right and so it seemed like a really good chance to catch him and Janice Stark supporting the Wild Hearts and it was a, it was a great show and, and uh, as as to be expected but what was even better was the, 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 the interview that we had that you're going to hear so this was recorded you know Giz was running a little late as is the way of the way of things and he he's obviously got a little bit amount of time, small window with which to kind of have a conversation, and he was just nothing but accommodating for me. He was literally, and we talk about it on the podcast. We'll get straight to it. He, he was he was tuning and stringing up his guitar as he was being interviewed by me. You know, multitasking at its finest from Giz there, and and he was incredibly open about you know the the things and the challenges that he's faced as a musician and as a person. And I think it's a really good conversation. So subsequently, because it's recorded in the trenches, if you will, there's lots of things of people sound checking and, and, and dropping things and, and abstract background noise and stuff. And I at first tried to shy away from this when I did the interviews, tried to sanitise, if you will, the, the, the whole thing before before I realised that that's how real life is. You know, that's, you know, to more than anything, just to prove that it was real, you know, and talking to someone who, 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 who's such a purveyor of punk rock, it seemed so, so perfect that his, his, 
podcast was kind of filled with these things. You can still hear us talking. There's no problems there. But there's all this kind of... It's very much in, in the trenches. And he, he's, he's tuning up a guitar and restringing a guitar, which for most people can be quite a difficult task. Like, you know, let alone have someone like me fucking harping on about bits and pieces. But he was... It's fantastic, you know. So this is a, this is a conversation with Giz Butt. I strongly urge you to check out the, his his album with Janice Stark and then go back and listen to some of the stuff he's done. I think he's doing possibly some of the best stuff he's done done recently. He seems in a really good place and this album seems to be coming from a, a really cool sort of thing, covering quite a lot of things. And the playing on it's absolutely fucking outrageously good on all levels. Real vibe, real energy to it, which is something I love when I listen to, to, to music. Uh, is that I'm, I'm a big fan of vibe and, and this habit has it just complete... So we sat down, I think it's about sort of, you know, about 45 minutes to an hour, which is way longer than, than he really should have spent with me because he was so fucking busy and we covered that as well. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. If you do, you know, check out him and his band and all the projects he's been doing. I'll share a whole bunch of stuff so you can see that. Um, and I hope you enjoy it because I really did. I thought it was really good. I'll probably get Giz on again because he was just, it was just interesting. We could have talked for hours, mainly about guitars, if I'm honest. We could have talked about for hours. Um, so this was a conversation. Nice sit down and tell us what you think. You know, feel free to comment and share and suggest it to people who you think might find it interesting. Maybe people who went just into, you know, Janice Stark and the English Dogs and, and things like that and the Prodigy and stuff. Just share it to people who you think might be interested in it from a guitar point of view as well uh, because I think he's got some, some interesting things to say about creativity and about songwriting so please uh, let, i'll stop rambling on and get to get to what you, you you people would like to hear um and that's my interview with uh, gizbot let's get straight into it so i'm here with giz and Giz, it, this is probably the, the the most rock and roll thing to be doing is to talk to someone as they're stringing their guitar <laughs> so, finally <laughs> i finally. got to talk to mark <laughs> after all this time because <laughs> as giz was saying to me uh, you are a one quarter scouse right is that what you're saying? That's correct. Is that right? So, so I am co- one quarter perfect. <laughs> that's what you're saying, yeah. That's it. That, I'm, that's enough. That's enough. So you, can well, do, yeah. you can do the accent well as well. Birkenhead. So Birkenhead. I know that's not going to go down well. <laughs> I, you know, I do... I'm fully aware of that, you know, the yeah. plastic scouse thing. <laughs> but yeah, my um, great-grandfather was a conductor at um, the theatre in Birkenhead. Yeah. Um... So there must have been some kind of big theatre on, on the There's been a, there's a, there's a few like around there. There still is as well, like some yeah. of the old places. Yeah. We tried. I mean, I was with. I'm friends with the. Uh, you know, Pete Best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the original drummer of the Beatles and yeah. his family. And there was one time when I took my family up and we, you know, we went out with all them, and we went to Birkenhead where, like, one of them lives, and then we went. We went tried looking for this theatre but we didn't we didn't see it so yeah. I think it's it's gone now I think but yeah I've always I'm glad I am got that connection yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a mixture though yeah yeah sort of there's Manchester in there there's um, Yorkshire Sheffield yeah and Brighton so yes yeah, a mixture <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking through kind of to familiarise yourself with everything you've done, and I don't know if it's possible to do that. You'd like you, if if I wanted to label a term, journeyman is a is one that I keep going back to. Is that someone who's just been formed and been a part of in just so many bands and so many pieces of music, such a body of work, such amount of stuff. I, I I wouldn't know where to begin. And a lot of the times when I speak to people, it's like, where do we start with yourself? I mean. 
it's probably at the, at the very beginning when you know if we go all the way back what does Giz or Graham then it was what what music what's the first music you're hearing the first thing you hear well before I played the guitar yeah, I was like um, listening to the Beatles all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and um, and then the guitar when that my brother played the guitar so we would jam um, I got a few guitar lessons off like a you know like a kind of jazz guitarist guy in Manchester yeah, yeah, yeah. but me and my brother would just jam rock and roll stuff so this was kind of really uh, it was nearly pre-punk yeah um, we'd, so we'd jam like Eddie Cochran you know sure. Buddy Ollie and Chuck Berry and yeah things, yeah and um, just simple stuff really uh, and then punk came out and at the same time you know I was attempting to sort of like I, rem- I remember just like the very first time I picked up a guitar, I was trying to play She Loves You or something. And then my brother played me Leonard Skinner. Okay. And I thought, wow, this guitar playing is really, really much more advanced than the Beatles. Yeah, there's more going on. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I just thought, oh, I dreamed of being able to play. With the guitars that, that you had, were they non-electric? Were they no, no, they were electric, but well, they were cheap, was, you know, yeah. Woolworths sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when punk came out, you see, it was a whole different thing. Because I just, it came at the right time. You know, 11 years old, I needed something. Sure. So, you hadn't yet gravitated to one band. You hadn't fell in love well, with the one Beatles thing. The Beatles was nice, but the, did, did he feel yours? I mean, if you know what I mean, did he feel like they were speaking to you, I just or think, just thought they were nice and I, good I, to I, listen well, to? I mean, I thought they were great, and I collected everything by them. Mm-hmm. You know, I had absolutely everything. But when punk came, there was the, the you know the Sex Pistols. Never mind the bollocks. It just kind of floored me. Sure, you know, as it should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, if you don't feel something from that, then you're not. It was alive. so visceral at the time. It was like the, the often it said like there was there was nothing else like it. You know, it came it came from almost came from nowhere. If you weren't familiar with the scene yeah. that it came from, yeah. And do, so when you were buying records, did you have to? Did you go to a record store? Did someone give you the record? How how did you actually consume it then? Well, I guess you know with the with that, my first sort of things that I would purchase were probably things that I would hear or. Here on the radio, living in Manchester, you know, I got the chance to see So It Goes yeah. every Sunday night, 10.30. Yeah, 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 it's a great show. Tony Wilson. Yeah, yeah, So I'd get introduced to sort of, you know, punk bands before sure. they actually hit, you know, anything, you know, yeah. before they go into the charts. I mean, at that time as well, you know, every programme was having punk bands. Like, it was amazing, top yeah. of the pops. An explosion, punk, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, it was... It was a great time. You wouldn't imagine it happening now. So, well, that's the, the, the what, one of the things that gets levelled at new genres and new sort of builds of of, of, of oh. music and new sort of styles and stuff is that very quickly it's public and very quickly it's massive and very quickly it's it's able to be absorbed. It has no time to gestate and grow and become its own thing. Yeah. It's immediately accessible. But this had a feeling of something growing, even though it was an explosion. It was something that was building uh, a movement more than a it would have, genre. It would have began immediately by the things that I was like. Hearing on the radio, of course. So the Stranglers, Peaches, you know, yeah. the, the jam in the city. Um, and, of course, the Sex Pistols. I used to read my brother's um, Melody Maker, Enemy. Sure. And, you know, they, they would cover all the punk bands. And, you know, it, when people couldn't get to hear the Sex Pistols because they were getting banned, but living in Manchester, we had that programme. Yeah. So here I am. 10 years old or 11 years old watching the uh, uh, you know so it goes and on comes the Sex Pistols and I just thought 
now this is great because everyone's talking about these as if they're public enemy number one but I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm watching it yes yeah, yeah, yeah and and I guess the whole each person in the band had something about them that I, right. I could a, a uniqueness one, that you could that you could grasp onto I could like be any Johnny one and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And he just, that's it, interesting that's an interesting thing that you could be any one of them be immediately accessible yeah. um, was that also from a musical point of view because the Beatles yeah. some stuff was quite complicated to oh, yeah. work out the, 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 the pistols on the other hand is immediately accessible well it was a power chord thing wasn't it but you know the sound you see that sound when you first hear it yeah. you kind of in your head it's, it's saying to you that that is just as complicated as any of the um, you know, like say, happiness is a warm gun, or something mm. like that, or the most, or you know, I want you, sh- you know, she's so heavy, which I guess is one of the more complicated Beatles yeah. songs. You know, but you, and let's, you know, come on, let's give it its dues. A lot of that punk was really well played. Yeah, people, I mean, if you listen yeah, to any of Paul Weller's guitar playing on the in, in the City album, yeah. the, the whole album, track after track, the guitar is, and the bass. Yeah. Is well, it's really it's, well it's the often the often held thing is that if it's if it sounds simple, it must be simple to play. It's like the old ACDC thing. Yeah, try yeah, that, try right. that then. You know, yeah, that, okay, it. try and recreate. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, anything off the uh, uh, back and black. Try and play it like that. Try exactly. and play that pocket that they get. They, they didn't get it. So didn't, there was sort of was there a cultural thing changed. Did you immediately start changing the way you dressed as well? Oh, yeah. Way you, yeah. There was, I was trying to do putting you know, soap in your hair. And get stuff. My, well, we didn't know what to do at first. <laughs> you know, we didn't know what products actually made <laughs> sure. you do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and of course, you know, just the nature of the lyrics. You know, it's it's uh, singing like a a song against the Queen. So it appeared. Yeah. God save the Queen, and then you know all the, the the Clash songs, you know, complete control. All these songs were saying things that when you know certainly me at that time, because I always struggled with being a quite a weedy kid, you know, because I was very when I was born I was uh, I had yellow jaundice and I was like you know very underweight, right, and um, so. I had that following me around quite a lot. I'd get picked on and bullied at school a lot. And um, so when punk came along, it kind of gave me it's a soapbox. Yeah. It kind of gave me some power. Yeah, right. Yeah, you yeah. know, so I thought, I thought, you know, I can be this person. I can, I can be this person that stands up for themselves. Sure. Because that's what they seem to be doing. So I thought, yeah. well, I can. Fearless well. almost, yeah. 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 And with it, Lots of things changed. I suddenly got bigger, uh-huh. which was handy. <laughs> you know, so I grew, and then you know, I wanted to play my guitar more. Um, writing songs, they just came out. They flowed. So out. you started writing your own your own yeah. material as well. Though. Okay, yeah. And I formed my first band, which was uh, called The Exits. The Exits. The Exits. <laughs> and that's um, and then we be, we came from The Exits. I mean, we was, we was playing our own songs. Yeah. And then from that we kind of became the system, so we became a little bit more hardcore, sure. if you like, right? A little bit more UK sort of Angelic Cop starts, you know, and uh-huh. um, and it grew from that. Then we played our first gigs outside of school. Sure. Uh, so what were those first gigs like? You well, know, the very first one when all the town punks came to see us. Sure. That was that was it, you know, because well, we thought all these eighteen twenty year olds they're coming to watch a band of 14 year olds and yeah we thought yeah we get we get in there now you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's got to be a routine surely yeah but then it wasn't <laughs> long and then we played a gig in um 
I, the local popular pub where all the bands played. Yeah. And um, the Destructors, member of the Destructors, uh, the, the leader of the band, Alan Adams, he came to watch us and he asked me next day, he said, would you be interested in joining the Destructors? Sure. So that was, yeah, that was the, the first big break, going into a band that was going to be gigging every week. Sure, know. and and that's what happened. You kind of just basically told the length and breadth and just yeah. kind of put the time in. And so when you were kind of with them, did you kind of have to learn all their songs or were you uh, was it a co-writing thing or...? Yeah, initially I had like a, a, a demo tape full of short songs. Mm. And of course, you know, so I learned all of them because so, we was going to be out and gigging straight away. Yeah. And then I got involved with the co-writing yeah, almost immediately I'd go to Alan's house and we'd start to sort of like share ideas. I was always more on the music front as opposed to the lyrics front though because that, Alan is first and foremost really a lyricist yeah. and um, so I would try and like be more of the, the yeah, music, try and get the that composer. Part. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so... And then I was asked to join the English Dot. But I, I, had I think that's where I kind of first sort of heard, mainly because it was called the English Dogs, I first attracted to me. There was a the whole thing about, like, you know, that it's... Uh, uh, wasn't there a whole thing about that you couldn't just call it English as well? You had the whole kind of mess around. But I was attracted. That, that was the first, I think, the first time I heard or heard of the, the playing and stuff. And that was when I was kind of... I kind of came the other route, so I was listening to metal. Yeah. And then because of Motorhead, I was like, hold on, there's a whole punk thing here I need to be getting involved in because they're the same as us. They're just doing their different, slightly different ends. Yeah. And that's where I, I, ca I came in. So the English Dogs, was that kind of... Did that feel like moving up another level, if you will, for one of a terrible way of... Yeah. Word of um, mainly because the music, you know, the other guys were great players. Yeah. And I've, the Destructors... Well, it was a great band. I felt that the songs were very good, but the, um, you know, I just kind of felt, I suppose I wanted to see if musically I could pair up with someone that was just moving forward or looking forward. You know, I was, I enjoyed playing the guitar. I always have done. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things that relaxes me. It makes sure. me feel, you know, good. It just makes me feel at ease. It makes me feel relaxed. So yeah. if I get on, if I get on a guitar, I can lose myself and, yeah. and just really enjoy that, you know. Uh, that's, I think that's one of the great things about any instrument, but certainly the guitar, is that it's, you know, you can play unamplified, sitting at home, watching the television, you can play anywhere you want. It's immediately accessible, a way of just, like, losing yourself in it and, yeah. just, and just playing, you know. Which is great for my f well-being, my frame of mind. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. it makes it... If I'm feeling depressed, it does help that. Yeah. And, um, you know, because as a lyric writer, it's... it's um, Lyrics are, are much tougher hmm. because, you know, I can't, in the past, you know, I, I may have written something and not, it doesn't feel complete because, yeah. you know, I've, I've been too quick with it and I haven't really had the quality control. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but now, you know, I'm much more, you know, I, I've rethink and, and, you know, I collect stuff. I go around collecting snippets and just anything that, at that moment in time. You know, mm. I just I, I note stuff down. I always take like a, a a book and just note things down. And then, you know, by meeting certain people that I've got interest in, 
and alternate ideas. You know, I can form an, an idea in my head and then from that, turn that into a song. It, it sounds like that you really, you, one of the things you enjoy, as much as you say that there's this, this singularity of just playing the guitar on your own, but the, that collaboration seems to be something that you really enjoy. You know, the, working with another, another, uh, different bands and working with different styles and stuff. It seems like throughout your, the career that you've had so far, is, is that that's something that really kind of interests you. So when you, I mean, is that fair to say? You think you, you enjoy that, go and try and kind of push yourself and try different things? You know, I have tried a lot of yeah. stuff. It is quite diverse. If, I think if you look at different. kind of like punk as being a bit of a... That's the spine, certainly, that's run up what. Well, if you look at it as being a, uh, like a, a clan or a tribe, yeah. I've often ventured out of the tribe. Yeah, yeah. And, but um, the Jamie Stark... You know that from, that has been that's given me the most happiness. Right. So that's the reason why I've gone back to James sure. Hart because it was. That makes a lot of sense. I think my yeah. wife was. You know, she was saying to me all the time. You know, you really liked that album. You know, you you're always saying that you think it's giving you the, the most, most sure. happiness of anything yeah. that you've ever done. Yeah. So why don't you do it again? You makes, know. Makes makes sense. And um, so, but the thing is, I like. Being with people that are, are, are these guys, basically. I mean, we were getting together and um, just finally just playing covers with a cover band. And for years, we we were going out and just playing local pubs and stuff. But, but we were, as a band, we was like kind of learning how to improvise and just like to, to sort of like take a gig and, and take a set of songs and make it exciting. A performance. They yeah. were other people's songs. Yeah. And we were going week after week after week, you know, like, just just basically going to pubs, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, and just playing um, rocked-up Beatles or Rolling sure. Stones songs. Yeah. But we were figuring out that we really enjoyed being with each other and playing with each other. Right, the camaraderie of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was, everything was there that was in it. So mm. when, I, when I had the idea, I want to get James Stark back, I wanted to do it with those guys. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah it yeah, just yeah. makes absolute sense. sense. Yeah, yeah. Because I felt a real kinship, kinship and affinity kinship with yeah. these people yeah, yeah. more than what I'd ever felt with anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And uh, like for instance, Pinch when we did Jane Stark originally, he he wasn't really into it. Right. And um, you know, I mean, I think he'd be the first to say that I was trying to sort of like stop him from doing things that he wanted to do, which yeah. I wanted Jane Stark to be this, you know. What was what what did you want that to be with the first sort of album? I wanted it to be a melodic punk band. Yeah. A melodic punk rock band with yeah. the emphasis on the rock. Yeah. You know, rock and roll influenced punk rock. Yeah. You know, a melodic. And I didn't want you know, I didn't want kind of like any just because at that moment in time I was playing with the prodigy, I didn't want dance beats in the bloody music. Well, you th that's already being serviced by what you're looking at there, you know, as well. It's you know, it needs to stand on its own things, you know. I mean, one of the things that, 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 that's interesting with, with, with Janice as well is that commercial, did you feel as though, because um, that was almost the most commercially successful stuff you did as well, like you know, the singles that you got from that were, were really well received. It was like, I think it was critically as well, maybe personally, some of the, the best things that you, you, you'd done. So it makes sense to go back to that. Yeah. From familiarity, but the fact that, you know, creativity, that, that will flow into it. If it flows into the writing, it flows into the playing, it flows into everything if it's a comfortable environment. It, it, sure felt, it just felt very good. Mm. Felt very right when you when you kind of like toured with the with the English dogs did you, is that when you first went out the country 
Yeah, so was that the first time you, you'd left the country or you'd been to Europe and, and what have you? Did you get over to the States then? With it was English? English dogs, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. It was, we've, I think that the first venture out of the country was the States. Yeah, and how did you find what that? How long, how, yeah, how long are you out for then? It's like, is it a couple of months? Because this yeah, is touring before touring as it used to be. Like, you know, yeah. this, is, this is like hardcore. Yeah, yeah. So you got there. What did you What did you get from that? Because that's a massive culture well, shock. You must go to New York and stuff. And the first gig was in LA. There you go. And um, in front of four thousand people, the Olympic yeah. Auditorium, and UK subs were supporting us, <laughs> and we thought, damn. <laughs> and everyone yeah. was everyone was heavily into it, and uh, there seemed to be something going on that we wasn't aware of. Right. So it felt, yeah. It felt big. Sure, like something has happened. Yeah, happened. it felt like something was going on and something had been happening and we were kind of like, you know, oblivious to it. Sure. It had been going on underneath without us being aware because, of course, there was no internet. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. uh, this, this is still pre-internet. It's still kind of all pre-those days. It's yeah. like, you know, everything's handled by a phone call when you're touring. You know, yeah, a fax was, machine, for God's sake. Yeah. There was things, that I guess, what happened was, you know, we hit on something at that moment in time yeah. and it was the, it was the timing of it there were other people that were getting punk rock and experimenting and trying you know some heavy metal ideas you know, yeah there was which, the rapture to meet and the, uh, of, of the two that kind of happened in the melting part of that like yeah because metallica were okay doing the whole they were they were covering you know the misfits and stuff like we were talking about it's like they were covering punk and punk was kind of kind of getting not mainstream that's a t- terrible way of seeing it but kind of the the names were free flowing out there like the bands like the misfits like i say you know uh, in the uk subs and stuff the names were getting floated around to maybe circles that they weren't in before mm. so i mean that's why you know you're getting four thousand right. people there and, and that type of show yeah this the, the whole crossover yeah. Genre. The, the, the word crossover was being mentioned, and we were being mentioned in it. Yeah, but yeah, we, yeah. You, we were kind of, um, you know, it's, it's just like as as a musician, we were just kind of like thinking, well, I want some ideas. Mm. Um, I'm hearing these guys; they're doing these things, they're doing all these tricks. I don't really know what they're doing or how they're doing it. I like it. I want to try and see if I can get something from that. Yeah. And then when you know doing it, incorporating it into our songs. Yeah. And then, well, that's of the, course that's that the sound op- naturally would then be called. Hey, you've got a heavy metal influence. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it was like. But you didn't really time, see it that way. You well, were, it was more kind of we just like this and this is what we're doing. You yeah. know, at the time, I mean, like Thin Lizzy um, was. Yeah, you know, I'd listen to them, I'd hear a bit of Iron Maiden. Yeah. Of course, Motorhead, of course. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. We really felt that Motorhead were half punk anyway. Yeah, well, they were. They did so, bad um, you, you know, and then Van Halen and all this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it just sort of felt, if you're a guitar player uh, or, you know, uh, and you're listening to some music and, you, and it's just kind of setting something off in your head. So yeah. You just kind of think, oh, I want a piece of that. So then... As I said, you try and interpret it in your way, and then you go out and you incorporate it in your punk rock set, and then people are looking at you and you're thinking, "Well, you're heavy metal influence," and you're sort of saying, "Well, I didn't really realise that, but I suppose maybe I am." Yeah. But, but does were, does it matter? You know, does it ultimately as long as it's as long are you yeah. enjoying it? You know, it's like isn't that the, the whole kind of 
a point of influence is that you're meant to take something you like, yeah. you play your version of it, and then that becomes something you're into. But it's only when it falls apart if someone tries to construct or manufacture that is when that falls apart. You know, it's when someone actually goes, I'll take this and this and make this because they're both successful. You were doing it purely organically. You were like, I really like this harmonized guitar parts and Iron Maiden and Thin Lizzy, yeah. so let's do a thing and put that in. And so you did you, so you, you, you had actually had people, you know, almost kind of, there was an elitism from it. There was a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I don't want to it say that, tricky, but you know. But I mean, some of my friends, for instance, yeah. they were my friends, but, you know, they, were, they weren't particularly happy about me you know, get, getting these influences all the time. Really? But, you know, the way I, we, we'd kind of... I'd go around their flats and houses, we'd listen, listen to a lot of music. Yeah, yeah. And I, with them, also became quite a you know, fan of, like, you know, some of the American hardcore stuff. Sure. So, like, bands like D.I. and things. Yeah. So, you know, I was still really in touch with all of that. You know, I wasn't losing it by any extent. Um, I just wanted to, you know, as I said... The guitar makes me feel relaxed, mm. and then when, when I'm on it, I'm looking for new things it's just because it makes me feel good. So I'll, I'll be doing that, and then I want to take that into my songs. Yeah, why, why wouldn't you do that? It seems, it seems crazy Very that natural. you have to, yeah, that you have to even ar- articulate something like that because it seems so natural, you know, to, that that's surely the way it is. I think we maybe there's an element a little bit of that we've maybe lost that because people now, the, the, the first thing they do when they ask you what your band's called is. What type of band is it? Okay, we'll take, yeah, and yeah, but we're, we're, we're okay. We're happy with that. Hmm. I don't mind. I mean, I know that like, maybe not, ev- you know, maybe not everyone in, in the band sort of like, feels exactly the same way as I do about that. Because, I mean, when, you're, when someone's labelled you, yeah. it can feel a little bit like um, almost as if someone's taken a small amount of freedom away from you. Yeah, because well, they positioned you in a certain box. Yeah, I don't worry about that. So much. Yeah, I'm fine with. with that's you know, surely that's their rock, problem, not not yours. Rock, I'm, yeah. I mean, yeah, and you know because it is what I love anyway. You know, you, you could if you wanted to, you could just say, well, it's we're, it's rock and roll. Yeah, but you know that I guess we are really considering our lyrics because we're trying to um, when we do a song. We want it to be a reflection of how we are as people. Hmm. So I may love a, a band, but I might not want to copy or sort of be influenced by their lyric writing stuff. Yeah. If I just feel, well, that's just not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't we, you, you, you can't feel uh, like that kind of emotional weight to it because you can't, you're not... It's, you're not selling it, it's not yourself. Yeah. It's kind of genuine. I suppose it's the, it's the best way to see it. Like, you know, yeah, I mean... You know, if it, you can't like, you know, you can't tell a story if it wasn't yours. You yeah, know? it's just this new album. What, what, well, this what is I've what, been like we were saying. This. You were very extremely considered about the uh, about the the lyrics. You, yeah. you and, and everything about it. You were like, okay, this this has to be this. If we're not happy with this, we have to go back and do it. You know, we we can't just have those kind of like we'll just put it out there for the sake of putting it out there. Everything has to be not overly uh, laboured, but certainly considered because it's yeah. a reflection of yourself. You know. Well, I, I had a nervous breakdown, and it was building up for some time, and uh, I had a couple of kind of little twinges and nods to it. Yeah. Um, one of them was in 2006 and I tried to get a bit of help there but it didn't really work out it was it was like uh, you know group therapy and it just didn't work that's not really going to work for you 
But so it started to rear its ugly head again. I started having suicidal thoughts in 2013. I went for about four months of starting to just wake up daily thinking suicidal thoughts. And I was thinking, God, God when's this going to go? You know, yeah, yeah. I started to get comfort in it. Yeah. And then that went, and I started to think, oh, I'm getting better now. This is, this is okay. And then uh, it came back in 2018, but this time with so much force. Right. So when that happened, you know, I really had to get some help. Sure. So whilst that was going on, I was kind of, the safest thing to do was to get, go and find somewhere else to live outside of the family and to give us all space. Sure. I needed to get myself properly looked at. I needed to rewire my thinking and I needed help, real help. Yeah. We all need friends. Yeah, yeah. That's important. But there's people out there that are professionals at doing this and you need well I needed them. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. So whilst that was going on, I was also, you know, trying to sort of like figure things out. So I was on my own a lot because I wasn't with the family, you know, I was, I was staying somewhere else on my own. So whilst I was having that time, that that was I was able to sort of like really look at many things and reflect, you know, and check things out. Yeah. And um, so that's when a lot of the lyrics were being formed. You know? Sure. Because before that, I was, God, I kept on, you know, ripping up pieces of paper. And sure. I, I say it, obviously, you know, nowadays, we, a lot of people like to just put their lyrics, type their lyrics into a computer. I still like to write them down. Yeah, the, the, yeah that kind of whole sort of tactileness of writing in a book yeah. and stuff in an open book. I collect yeah. things yeah. and then I, I like to write them down and then have these books where, and also, each book represents a moment in it's time. It's a tap- time capsule, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. It represents a moment in time. Is that really? Is that? Is that? Is that tough when you come to sing those lyrics again after that time, and well, you revisit them, or is it more cathartic because you're like, well, okay, that was how I, I was feeling then, and I was feeling, you know, the, the thoughts that I had, but now I'm I'm kind of at the other side yeah. of that. I'm, I have had a few tears in my eye when I've. Like listen to them and remembered where it's I like was. It's like looking at a photograph or, or a yeah. smell or something. You yeah, know? it's, it's uh, because when something has kind of like reached its completion and, and then you put that into a song. And also Richard did it as well because there was one song where, um, which was very, very um, personal to him, which I asked him, can we put that one on the album as well? Because it, it, I just felt it's just so right for us. Sure. So he had it as well. Um, and but we just felt it was best to bring because it's so real. Bring these things up. This is Jaina Stark. We're not we're not just talking about like political things that really annoy us or affect us. Or we could be talking about like ideologies that we think we should be pursuing, you know, right. or considering. Sure. But we're also talking about things that have really, you know, really come into our path yeah, yeah. and made us kind of like stand at this crossroads and think, where am I going to go now? Sure, yeah, and question things. But that's that's a, that's the spectrum of, of humankind. That you know, some days you'll be having a conversation about the politics you feel. Sometimes you'll have a conversation about this, and that's the whole spectrum of that. What yeah. you know, you, 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 it's it's once again it's that labelling thing. You don't just want to be a political band or a uh, you know or this type. You know, you're just going. This is who I am as a spectrum of that. This is one part of that. You know, and it's it's incredibly brave to, to you know. To, for musicians to do that, I don't think people realise sometimes how much heart is going into the lyrics and so. Someone's just literally telling you exactly something you've never met before who's going to hear it. 
will have a complete understanding or certainly of that particular moment of what was going through your head. That's that's yeah. massive, you know. Well, you know, I was I was playing with Steve Ignorant in the, the Last Supper tour, which was basically, you know, going around the world and playing the Crass songs, apparently for the last time. Mm. But um, and that tour was fantastic because I was always such a huge fan of Crass. Yeah. I loved that tour. But the one thing that really you know, when we was doing the tour, we would go to places and we'd constantly, me and Steve, quite often, he just took me out with him and quite often, we'd just find ourselves like in these circles, just all around, sat around the table with people just talking about the lyrics only, the, that was it, the concepts only. The music never seemed to get a mention at all. Okay. And me as a fan, I could really hear greatness in that music you know i could hear you know really good ideas which is why you know one of the reasons why he asked me to join because he knew that i was a fan and that you know i, I treated the material I treated with it the with reference it deserves yeah, yeah yeah and each guitar I, mean, I was the only guitarist in the band but i was playing two guitar parts yeah yeah i was going to say they would have been yeah, only yourself like that's uh, that's tough that's yeah, you yeah. Know. but i went and i was trying to do a really good representation of it and um and not really deviate, just maybe the sound was obviously going to be my sound. Yeah. But, but try and be faithful, faithful. To, 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 to the. To but I could never really me. get it when the fans just never, never really saw that. Interesting. Any of it. They didn't want to talk about any of that. They only wanted to talk about, you know, just. The, the lyrics or the choruses or the whatever. The lyrics and the concepts. Yeah. And basically just have debates. But you know, I'm all for that, but, I'm like but they were missing maybe like another section yeah, of the pie. Missing, that was yeah, you're missing that bit, the whole bit there. What? How did you? How did you? Do you? And how do you handle touring then with with, with the things, the issues that you say you have? How do you handle? Because I've I've been on on those long tours, and it's like it can be so trying. It can be yeah, so. I don't like tours that are too long. You know, it's cut and so like I mean, you you you've toured small, large, and everything in between. Mm. When you take something like touring with like the Prodigy. Which is still a slick experience, it's still because it's obviously top of the tree type stuff moving around the, the world, but it's still quite a lonely existence. It's quite a tough time. You summed it up with that word right there. No, I'm not really a fan of touring for too long. Yeah. I just like, you know, I like, um, like now, for instance, this is absolutely perfect. Yes. This is just like the best tour that we could ever possibly be on. Yeah. You know? And next year, we, we've got like lots of shows booked. With great people, really good promoters that are kind of people that, you know, I've been um, introduced. I've had people kind of like, you know, getting in touch and saying, look, email one of the people, Vanilla Pod Steve, he basically gave me a load of numbers and he says, get in touch with these people, they'll yeah. help you with some bookings. Yes. Yeah. And from that, I went from there, I, you know, I. Spider Web like Yeah, and then that went, got me onto another person and another person and some of the bands that we played with, like Spring Park. Laser Christ, they also introduced us to more people. Tara Rez, she introduced me to some people, and each one. And I realised that all around the UK, there's these you know lovely people yeah, yeah, yeah. that are real putting shows on in their hometown. They're so. making the flyers, they're designing mm. it all. They're they're the ones taking the risk. If they're guaranteeing <laughs> me a fee for the gig, they're taking a chance, you yeah. know. And I just thought. 
no, this is great. This is what I like. This you is know. the grassroots. This is the, it's, yeah. the rad the coal face, if you will. Like this is the kind of you know this this venue I've seen grow. It's like probably one of probably localish venue to me. I've seen it grow. I've seen those like shows with like you know only like 30 40 people and they've invested in that and they've slowly yeah. brought it and then they've got the cycle the touring bands coming through like like to like tonight is is the the wild hearts playing here for anybody listening as yeah. well um and it's it, the, the quality of acts has just increased increased because they put the faith and the time into in, into the into the bands that, that come here yeah and, well, and we all know that that's a that's a tough act like it's a tough thing you know and we've, we've got like the professionals on afterwards mm-hmm. Who are absolutely knockout. Yeah. And then we've got the Wild Hearts and, and their sound and their show and their aura. And as people, it's just absolutely. It was fab. We were, we, I was listening to Soundcheck before. It was, it was fabulous. It's going to knock your block It was exactly off. at the record. Even better though because it's full of energy. Yeah, it's going to knock um, your block off. It's just absolutely just something else. We couldn't be in a better place right now. Yeah. And of course, we're getting on with everyone so well. So it's just so important to it. Like, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's where I'm at, and that's where we've arrived, and that's what's that's what's happening now. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing that I would like, really above everything, and again, we're very lucky because we've got ourselves, we've landed with like the perfect record label that we could ever be with, which yeah. is Time and Matter Records. Because all I was asking for, I was thinking, listen, I just want a, a, a small label with people that have got, you know, they. Uh, they've got uh, my brain. <laughs> it's okay, it's um, down. It's, uh, well, they've got so much, you know, love and passion. Yeah. into what is that doing. something that you got from? Is that a distillation process? And I'll explain what I mean by that. Is that a kind of thing where you all the stuff and all the the, the, the bands that you've been involved with, have you kind of slowly got to a point where you know exactly what you want now? So you go, okay, listen. Well, well I guess you so. Say yeah. no to this and say yes to that. I guess, yeah. It's like a fucking family we've also got, you know. Do you know that Chris you know that Chris was produced and managed by Terry Thomas, the same as James Farquhar? Yes. So I mean when when they were in the studio, we were in the studio at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the whole family thing is everybody's just yeah. super comfortable. That's how you see it used to be like, you know, when you used to tour you used to tour with groups of people because you're all got on, irrespective of the music, you're all got on, you know. Fozzie's playing Paul Cook's drum kit every night. <laughs> He's like <laughs> Fucking hell! Fuck, fuck. <laughs> so it's probably listen. We'll, we'll wrap things up so you yeah, can get yourself it, yourself together there, like the, you know. As I was, I was trying to say that time and matter records is just an absolute. They were really record. nice when I was. I mean, when I've been talking to them, the things they've sent me, just super nice and super yeah. kind of accommodating. It seems really kind of. Uh, you're talking to like the people that are running it is the same person that's sending me the bits and pieces. If you know what I mean, it seems yeah. like nice and small and kind of like you know. Involved, like it's the best way you are. They kind of, in a way, as well. They're the way I was working out is they're almost, uh, almost co-managing us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're all co-managing us. I yeah. am. I'm co-managing us. Yeah. Our Chris, our um, merch guy, he's co-managing us. Yeah. I mean, we've all taken loans out for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such is the way of things. We, now, we don't yeah. want. We don't want anything to stop us. So it's like, if something's not right and you need to sort it out, like if you need some equipment or if you yeah, need to get a hotel yeah. or whatever, we want to be able to say, how comes the flexible friend, we're going to do it. We're not going to let any, because that's the one thing that, when you're a small band developing, mm. you know, you keep saying, well, we can't do that because we just can't afford it. I mean, yeah. no, don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're careful. Yeah, there's got to be prudence to it. But yeah, you need to, yeah. go, you can't let that become a wall. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, we don't have a sound man 
right. can't afford that. Right. Not at this stage. Obviously, yeah. we hope to get onto that stage, but we're not there at the moment, so we have to pull back a bit. You know? Yeah. Could we find that the in-house sound guys are very, very good at their job? Normally, yes. The one that we got now is that Mandy. Oh uh, yeah. It's Mandy Lecky, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Tonight, anyway, she's yeah. a fucking legend. There's lots of these, like, because the, you know the venue so well and the, uh, the, they're so used to it's like, what do you want? And, yeah, and, and your way you go, like, you know. Bandy Lakey, <laughs> she's a fucking famous. <laughs> <laughs> she is, and that's it, like, you know, that people don't realize that about touring, about how expensive it is, how, especially for you know, a, a, a smaller band. And you, do well, you just do you no know understanding, like, you know, I'm you know, I'm making sure that all the guys get paid, yeah, and um. That's right now, it's, that's important because I want everyone to be happy, you know. I want everyone to stay together. <laughs> you know, that's been, that is, again, if I ever got the chance to, if I, to meet someone like Paul McCartney yeah. or Keith Richards and say, yeah. give me some tips, how do you keep your band together? <laughs> that's what you want. For a long period of time. <laughs> because, yeah, people do like to wander off. Though. Yeah. They like me now. <laughs> Go in there, then. Yeah, you better go to work. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like saying, "Yeah, you missed out on the loads." <laughs> well, listen, thanks, thanks for taking some time. I know you're hella busy, especially when you're running the tour that you're running now, like and working out. It's, it's really nice to speak. It's nice. Thanks for the time. So there you go. That was uh, me and Gisbert having a little conversation there, talking about all kinds of things, but also about the new Janice Dark album, Angel in the Flames, um, on Time and Matter Records, and that's. You know, I really suggest checking that out, as I said before. And definitely, if you catch them when they're, they're, they're out and about touring, they are fucking ferocious live. Ferocious. I think a lot of people, when we, after, after the, the, obviously, the, the conversation, we, 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 I caught them live. And uh, they were just... I mean, it was there was something for everybody. It was it was punk. It was rock. It was there was shredding. There was every. I think it caught some people off guard. Some people were like, "Fucking hell, this is really special." And a really complete unit. Your real sort of tight four piece. Um, really go for it. And, and gives just this fucking unrelenting. It's brilliant and it has such a a real connection with the audience and understanding of of kind of what what they've come to see and understand of what what he's producing so that was giz butt um and obviously of janice stark currently and a whole host of other brilliant projects that he's involved in which i urge you to check out i i really enjoyed that i thought it was a really good um to, to sit down and, and someone who wants to get on the show for a long time someone else i've been trying to get onto the show for a long time is our, the next guest which will be on possibly the next the next show when i finish editing what we did uh, i spoke to him just last night and that's david evans my friend um who's who's been a, gu- a guitar tech and been in multiple bands it's a fantastic sort of person to talk to and he's going to be on the next show so i should be able to start doing that now where i can tell you what's going to happen on the next show you know much like a television show look who we've got on next week type of thing which is nice um and then i only found out literally in between editing the, this particular podcast that, that i have been asked uh, uh, back to do the Metal to the Masses Merseyside, be the uh, the the mouth of Metal to the Masses Merseyside 2020, and I'll do a whole show about the about previewing that as well. But it was an incredible honour. I'm very very grateful at Andy and Deathwave. Of 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 I didn't fuck it up basically <laughs> last last time, and it seems like I you know did an, an okay job. So they've asked asked me back. So I'm going to be obviously talking a ton about Bloodstock as well. And um, so get used to getting sick of that because <laughs> as I go on about it. But once again, thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the show.
Bye-bye.